Welcome to our online Wednesday night Bible study. We're currently in a study about grace from the letter of Titus. This week we're going to examine the wonderful scripture found in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. So take your Bibles and turn there to Titus 2, 11 through 14. I want to read the verses first, then we'll begin our lesson on it. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we await for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I want to tell you a story of what happened many years ago. There was a young man named John, a boy whose mother died when he was only six years old. He was orphaned from his mother. His father was a sailor, a seafaring man who sailed the Mediterranean. And when John was only 11 years old, he began to sail with his father. He himself became a sailor. And as time went on, John fell in with the wrong crowd. He got into so much wickedness and sin and vileness and debauchery that his own father would have nothing to do with him. His father disowned him. John, as time went on, sank lower and lower into the vileness and sin. He finally got himself into the slave trade. He began to be a slaver, selling slaves and delivering them to England. And then after a while, John went down so deep into debauchery and sin that he himself became a slave of the slaves. He had hit rock bottom. People who were godly saw John, and they reached out to him and began to tell him about Jesus. They gave him something to read. Among the things that they gave him to read was a book by Sir Thomas Akempis called The Imitation of Christ. He read it at first almost as something to do, but he continued to read it, and he found out that his heart was being touched by the message of Christ. One day, now in his 30s, when he was on the deck of a ship, there was a great storm that came, a violent storm, and it looked like the ship was going to go down. Newton was on the deck of that ship, John Newton, when a wave came and swept him off the deck of the ship into the ocean. It swept him into the salty, deep ocean, and in that moment, a horrible and terrifying moment, his entire life, he said, passed just before him. He saw his wickedness, he saw his sin. And it was almost like in those waves of the ocean, he found himself sinking deep into hell. And then another wave came and flayed him up and put him right back on the deck of that ship. (laughs) It was enough to get his attention. He believed it was a miracle. He cried out to God and thanked him for his mercy. And after being rescued, and he was open more and more to becoming a Christian, and he did. In fact, at the age of 39, John Newton wrote the song that we love to sing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, That Saved a Wretch Like Me. Yeah, it came out of his experience there on that ship that night. I want to tell you, his song is the song of every redeemed child of God. Once I was blind, but now by the grace I see, the amazing, wonderful grace of God I see.
So let's look here at our verse from Titus 2 and see what's so amazing about the grace of God. He begins, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. See that in verse 11? All people. Mark that down. This grace that God has is a universal grace. It's for all people. Now what is grace? We talked about this last week from Titus chapter 1. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. It is God's unmerited favor shown towards sinful me. Now, you know, that's so contrary to our own human wisdom. And it's far different from Americanism as we know it. For example, I'm going to start this sentence and you finish it for me. We make money the old-fashioned way. We, that's right, we earn it. And Here's another sentence you need to finish. There's no such thing as a free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. Or try this one. God helps those who help themselves, right? I mean, that's just the way that we're brought up. It's just the way that's part of our own human wisdom. You get what you pay for. But that grace of God is contrary to all human wisdom. And it is indeed so amazing. And what makes it so amazing is that it's universal. It's offered to all people. God makes that offer to us. It doesn't mean everyone will accept the offering. In fact, we know, sadly, that most will not. They will try to find satisfaction in other offers they'll receive from life. But the only offer of God's amazing grace is the one that will eternally satisfy. So what makes grace so amazing is that it's universal. He offers it to all people. What makes grace so amazing from Titus is also that it's a gift to us. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It is the grace of God. It's his sovereign grace, and it brings us salvation. It's a gift. Now remember, grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Now, I think about three big words. The first word is justice. What is justice? Justice is God giving us exactly what we deserve. If any of us get justice from God, what we deserve, then we deserve to go to hell because every one of us has sinned and broken God's law. Justice is God giving us what we deserve. The second word is mercy. This is God not giving us what we deserve, not giving us what we deserve. And that's wonderful that we don't have to go to hell because we are receiving mercy from God. We shouldn't talk, God, give us justice. No, God, we want mercy and we want that third word, grace. God giving us what we don't deserve. That is his love, his fullness, his forgiveness, and his righteousness that he offers to us as a gift. Aren't you so thankful for the grace of our almighty God, this gift that brings us salvation? That is, we didn't seek it. God brings it to us. God seeks us. 1 John 4, 19. We love God because he is the one who first loved us. It didn't start in the goodness of our human nature. It starts in the grace of God. It didn't start with our merits, 
but in the mercy of God. It is his sovereign grace. Hallelujah for such a God. The Bible calls him a God of grace. Psalm 86, 15. You, O Lord, are a God full of compassion, and you are so gracious. So put this in your heart. This grace appears from God, and it's a gift from a gracious God. What makes grace so amazing is that it's universal. It's for anyone that will accept it. It is a gift that God offers to us, and it is a saving grace. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, there's no other way to be saved apart from grace. Some people think you're saved by what you don't do. Some people think that you're saved by what you do, but both are wrong. Salvation is not spelled D-O-N apostrophe T, don't. Salvation is not spelled D-O, do. Salvation is spelled with done, D-O-N-E. Salvation is spelled with done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he bowed his head and he said, it is finished. It is paid in full, and salvation is a gift that God has given us. It's a saving grace. Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that not one of us can boast. And to the Romans, Paul writes, And if by grace then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. That's Romans 11, verse 6. So let's return back to the letter of Titus and go for a moment to chapter 3, verse 5. This gives a fuller explanation of what we're looking at in Titus 2, 11. Titus 3, verse 5. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, D-O-N-E. See, it's what Christ has done for us, right? but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You see, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what's wrong with so many people? They've been starched and ironed, but they've never been washed. I mean, if they are washed, they are washing themselves, immersing themselves into something else besides the renewal and the rebirth of the Holy Spirit. The politician will say, let's wash ourselves in legislation to find our way out. The military man says, fight your way out. The liar says, bluff your way out. The materialist says, buy your way out. The alcoholic says, drink your way out. And Jesus says, no, the only way out is by being washed in the blood of the lamb. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. The only way is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that said, it is finished. I have done the work for you. Thank God for that. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's universal. It's universal. It's a saving grace. It's such a beautiful grace here that he's given us, that he's offered to us. Amazing grace is saving. 
The only thing that removes your guilt is the grace of God. Do you know that if you don't understand, understand grace, you'll never be able to be relieved of that guilt? And I think that's the difference between a psychologist and salvation. You go to a psychologist and do you know what he deals with or she deals with? The psychologist deals with your guilt feelings. But see, grace deals with the guilt itself. That's the difference. The counselor tries it to help you relieve, to have relief and release from the pain of that guilt. The counselor says what you have is a guilt feeling. And that's true. But the guilt feeling results from having guilt. And there's only one thing that can take away that guilt, and that is the grace, the saving grace of God. Now look in verse 12 and following. This grace is what teaches us how to live. It says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It teaches us how to live today in the time in which we live. Grace teaches us. It teaches us to have the strength to say no and the power to say yes. The strength to say no to ungodliness and the power to say yes to godliness. No to the worldly passions. Yes to self-control, upright, and godly lives. All children of God in this present age are expected to grow. We start out as spiritual babies and we are expected by discipleship to grow into spiritual fathers and mothers, spiritual maturity, to be equipped into spiritual maturity. Now that doesn't happen to us passively, it's taught. The teaching is grace. Do you see the it, it in the verse? It's not a who, but an it. The it here is grace, it teaches us, grace teaches us. Thank God he's a gracious God. His grace motivates, encourages us to grow. It teaches us to say no. You know, learning to say no to the things or others is at times very difficult. It's a learning process that requires lots of patience and lots of grace, and God has plenty of both. However, over time, having a faith fed by the Word of God and the intercession and the work of the Holy Spirit you learn to say no to those worldly desires. And I think even more importantly, it teaches you the grace of God to say yes. You can't make it if you're always thinking of something you can't do. I can't do that. I have to subtract that from my life. However, when you learn by grace the beauty and the satisfaction that comes from a, living a godly, upright life, you surrender your will to God and you allow the Holy Spirit to build in the self-control that's needed. It's that kind of grace that he's offering us, that teaches us the strength to live the life that we want to live. And finally, looking at Titus one more time, it is a, it's an expected grace. Look at the verse here. We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us 
in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is an expectant grace. We live here taught by grace of God to live a godly life here with the saving grace that we have here. It's a gift that God has given us. It's a universal invitation to all people. But it's that expectancy that our Lord is returning. And when he returns, he is going to bring him to himself because we have been purified by him and because we have been eager to do what is good. Do you know what God glories in in eternity? Paul says in those grace in the ages to come. It's so amazing, isn't it? And John Newton, as we started our lesson tonight, and I want to finish with him, writes in that song, Amazing Grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. 